Just a note before we start. This podcast is designed to be listened to in order. So if you haven't caught up yet, head back to episode one, What is the Share Market? to start your investment journey. A listener production. Welcome back, contestants, to Who Wants to Be an Investor? We're nearing the final rounds, and soon one of you will be crowned the ultimate investor. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. There are a few remaining questions before one of you takes home Peter, your very own personal share broker. Pleasure to be at your service. Financially, I mean. Thanks for clarifying, Peter. All right, it's time for round six. Hands on buzzers. Your question is, how much money do new investors need to get started? A, $500. B, $5,000. C, whatever you can find under the couch. All right, that's enough time. Let's see how you went. Oh, I'm sorry. You were all wrong. The answer was D, none of the above. Don't worry, though, you're not going home empty-handed. For making it all the way to round six, you get to go home with this big folder of share tips, courtesy of that guy over there, the one in the trench coat. It's me. Is that the guy from last episode's introduction? Okay, hold on a sec. This is all getting a bit meta. Can we just hit the intro music, please? Much better. Hi, I'm Jamila Rizvi, a podcaster, author, and definitely not a game show host. And this is Comsec Invest, the share market simplified. Firstly, the good news. Weird trench coat guy will not return to the podcast. I've spoken with the producers and it's taken care of. I did like the whole game show thing though. Even if how much do I need to invest is a terrible question because there's no one correct answer. How much you need to invest depends on any number of factors that are unique to you. How much do you earn? How much cash do you have in savings? How long are you planning on investing for? What fees will you owe to a broker? How often will you contribute to your investment? Oi, okay, enough of the game show thing. These are actually important questions. Your answers to these questions and more will help determine what the right amount of money to invest is for you. Well, I began investing in late 1997. So my first investment, the very first investment, I was like, okay, I've got $500. It was a few thousand dollars. It's $500. And I got allocated around $1,000 worth of shares. Everyone's investment journey is different. There is no one-size-fits-all approach. So today, we're looking at what you should consider before committing financially to any investment, not just your first one. I'm Jess Irvine, personal finance expert at Combank, and I've got almost two decades of experience writing and thinking about money as a journalist and now working for the bank. You'll remember Jess from our last episode, where she spoke about her role as a business journalist. Turns out she's a woman of many talents and today she's wearing her personal finance hat. Let's focus in on those words to start off with. Personal finance. So personal finance is how money affects your life and the decisions that you make around money, you know, where you're going to live, how you're going to invest, are you going to have enough for retirement? Before you think about making an investment, you need to take an honest look at your personal finances. 
Do you have significant debt? Are you keeping up with mortgage repayments? Is your income secure? Failing to keep on top of your personal finances can turn what is meant to be an exciting venture into something a bit more stressful, like it did for Ellen. Where I've overspent and my credit card bill was climbing up my investment did sometimes become an emergency pool of money where I would take the money out to pay off my credit card debt. And it didn't always go into shares, yeah. So there are some ducks you need to get in a row before you can invest in the share market with confidence. Do you have an emergency fund? If an unexpected expense comes in, like you need to buy new tyres, you forgot to service the car, you're not going to need to liquidate your investments just to fund your current consumption. I also recommend that people look at any high-interest debts that they own. And then there's other objectives in your life you need to consider, like have you bought a house? Is that something that is part of your financial plan? But debt doesn't mean you can't think about investing. Debt is a part of life for many people. You might just need to adjust your strategy to ensure that it aligns with your financial situation. What do I mean by adjusting your strategy? Well, maybe you can start small. You don't need a lot of money to start investing. And I guess that's one of the main misconceptions with investing is that you do need a lot of money to start. The other thing is if you're waiting to build up a certain amount of money, it may take, you know, longer than you anticipated or something else might come up. It might be a good idea to get your foot in the door and at least start because then you'll get the ball rolling. Starting small when investing has multiple benefits. Not only does it mean you can get started sooner, but you may be able to invest more often. Making regular investments of smaller sums of money is one of the best ways to achieve a financial goal without feeling daunted by the task ahead. So that's a key factor in all this. Time is one of the most important assets an investor can have. And when paired with regular investment contributions, investors can benefit greatly from the power of compounding interest. We covered compounding growth in episode two. In a share market context, it means that the more you contribute to an investment, the higher your gains can be if that investment continues to provide a return. Another great reason to consider a more consistent investment approach is something called dollar cost averaging. Well, in simple terms, dollar cost averaging is when you regularly invest the same amount in a particular investment, regardless of the share price. This means that when the price is high, you'll purchase fewer shares, and when the price is low, you'll purchase more. The strategy aims to average out your cost per share over time, rather than catching the market at a specific high or low point. It's important that you get your head around this one. So eyes front and listen up, please. Ryan's class is in session. Say you want to buy some shares in a company. They may cost you $2.40 per share today, $2.50 next month and $2.20 the month after that. If you invested $100 each month, you'd have 127.12 shares with an average price of $2.36 per share. But if you'd purchased all 300 worth at today's price of $2.40, then you'd only have 125 shares. Dollar cost averaging is another powerful tool in the long-term investor's toolbox. Like other concepts we've spoken about on this podcast, the idea is to average out short-term fluctuations over an extended period of investment. Dollar cost averaging means timing the market becomes less important, which is great news for new investors. Timing the market is when you monitor a share price closely and try to buy when you think it has bottomed out or is on the way up again. The problem with timing the market, it's hard to do. And usually those who guarantee they can do it 
Jamila, I see a strong future for you. Probably charge an arm and a leg for not a whole lot. Your great-great-grandfather is saying that you should leave a tip. Now, my great-great-grandfather sadly isn't here on the podcast, but Junbei Lu is. She's a fund manager with Tribeca Investment Partners. A fund manager is somebody you can pay to manage your investment for you and make trading decisions on your behalf. They usually require a minimum investment, which can vary depending on who you go with. And while they're generally much more reliable than a psychic reading, even Junbei admits that the experts get it wrong sometimes. Institutional investors like ourselves, we do it every now and then, but we don't bet the house on it. So that's why it's important to be constantly invested in the market rather than trying to time it. When you're trying to time it, you always miss it. Either you wait for too long before you get it, or you may sell at the wrong time, which could be, you know, the trough of the market. If you look around global investors, even some of the most experienced that are around the world, no one has consistently beat the market consistently over decades. No one has been able to do that. That's why it's just important. Just put some money in the market. Make sure you invest in the right company is the key. I don't know about you, but the idea of an investment that just does its thing without too much ongoing oversight sounds pretty good. Remember that if you want to leverage dollar cost averaging, it's better to invest lower amounts of money more often than it is to contribute larger chunks every now and then. Before we dive into the question of larger investments, let's look at one more benefit that comes with making smaller, more regular contributions. Diversify. 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 I've mentioned diversification in passing earlier in this series, and we'll dig into it properly next episode. For now, you need to know that diversification means having a broad range of investments with varied characteristics. Diversification is the most key to a success of your investing career. Don't put all your eggs in one basket is another word. But for your first investment in the share market itself, just make sure you have a few of them and then not betting the house on it. We've always made sure to keep this podcast balanced. So while yes, investing smaller amounts can allow you to diversify faster, you could be up for more fees if you are making lots of small trades. If brokerage costs you $5 and you buy $600 worth of shares, brokerage will represent just over 0.8% of your investment. If brokerage, however, costs $19.95 and you buy 5,000 worth of shares, brokerage will represent 0.4% of your investment. And then there'll just be tiers. So if you're investing between X and X amount, it will cost you this much. And then there'll be another bracket higher than that and then higher than that. To optimise your potential returns, you should choose a broker and fee structure that works in harmony with your investment strategy. For most new investors, engaging an execution-only broker will be sufficient to get you started. You can find a broker who offers a more individualised experience if and when you need them. Investing shouldn't be a rushed experience either. Sensible investments are considered and planned. Remember... If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Many planners and advisors in the financial sector refer to the 50-15-5 rule. According to that rule, 50% of your take-home pay should be allocated to essential expenses, and then maybe the next 15% of gross income, including employer superannuation contributions, get invested into future retirement. And then 5% of pre-tax income is used for short-term savings like an emergency fund for a rainy day. So this leaves about 30% of your income that can be used for discretionary expenses like travel, entertainment and dining out or more savings. 
I look at my salary. I look how much I have to pay in rent and bills, groceries. I've always put a percentage away for investing that I know I'm not going to miss that amount of money. And I also still put money into a savings account because I still think it's important that I have money for holidays or maybe a house one day to also have that safety net that is a bit more accessible should I ever need cash money. There is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to investing. Everyone has a unique financial profile and what works for you may not work for your friend, a sibling or colleague or neighbour. Do your due diligence. Take a magnifying glass to your finances and define your investment strategy before diving in. Doing the early preparatory work will help you make the best decisions around how much to invest, where to invest and what companies to invest in. Investing in shares can be such a great way to build your wealth over the long term. But I do caution people just to think through a few things first. Have you got any high interest debts that you're paying 20% plus on? Do you need money in an emergency fund? Can you fund those short-term consumption needs like brakes or tyres? You know, think through that checklist of other uses for your money. And if you know you don't need the money for those purposes, then you can invest with greater confidence. Coming up on the next episode. There's so many different options when it comes to investing. You can invest in so many different types of asset classes, but when you're just starting out, keep it simple. You don't have to go and start jumping into buying commodities or bonds. We're at the business end now. It's time to look at all the different things you can buy on the share market and how you get there. You'll go onto an online broker. So you've established a share trading account, for example. You'll place a buy trade, then they will place the order and you'll get an allocation of shares based on the amount that you invest. That's next time on Comsec Invest. Comsec Invest, the share market simplified, is a listener production brought to you in partnership with Comsec. Hosted by me, Jamila Risby. Audio by Kelly Fulston. Executive producer is Todd Stevens, And producer is Thomas Thexton. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, Comsec. The information and views expressed in it do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Opinions expressed to those of the individuals referenced and not Comsex. Listener.